church today, everyone. Great to see you, uh, especially if you're new or visiting with us. Sam Gray is my name, the minister of the church here. And uh, there's a, a QR code, another one, a different one on the pew in front of you that you can scan to let us know that you're here and give us some details so we can be in touch and see how we might connect you into the life of our church. So you can do that at some point uh, during the evening. That would be great. And uh, I do hope you'll be able to stay and join us for dinner after church, uh, order some food or um, bring some food and we'll probably sit in the hall and share that together as an expression of our uh, friendship and fellowship in the gospel. Uh, as we mark today, 150 years of church services in this building. This was the Sydney Morning Herald on uh, the 2nd of November, 1871, recording for us the, uh, the first service here in this building. And uh, I, I think not a week, I think this is true, not a week goes by that I don't have someone tell me how great this building is, how beautiful it is, or point out something new and different uh, that I hadn't known before. That happened to me yesterday. Uh, we had a really big wedding yesterday, which was great. The first one with people sitting in the seats since lockdown, which felt like a great celebration. And this wedding, it was the fourth generation of people on the bride's side who had been married in this church. And I, I sat over here with a lady whose name was Norma Horton, whose maiden name was Calva, who explained to me that she was baptised here at All Saints, that she herself was married here in 1949, and that she vividly remembers standing outside when her grandfather laid the foundation stone for what is now the small saints room. That's her grandfather, R.L. Calver, who got to lay the foundation stone because he financed the building of the small saints room, right? Uh, so I sat there with Norma talking quite a bit and throughout the week at rehearsals and during the wedding, like during the wedding day, I had various members of the family show me various family plaques and where their family is on the honour roll and stuff like that, uh, which was quite an unexpected kind of uh, uh, discovery yesterday. Why do I say this? Lots of stuff has happened in this building the last 150 years. And while Norma explained to me, her, you know, her baptism, her wedding, and now getting to see her granddaughter be married in the same church that her and her husband were were married in and, and the like. The most amount of time we spent together yesterday, she talked about not the building and the, 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 the foundation stone and the plaques around the place for her family. Despite her age and her failing memory, she talked with tears in her eyes about the week that her brother died as a child in the early 1940s when down at the old children's hospital in Camperdown members of this church would come down and visit her family and Charles Adams, the minister at the time who's interred in the stage behind us would come down and care for their family. That all of these years later it's not the sandstone no there's no sandstone, there's a little bit of sandstone, the brick it's not the stained glass, it's not the plaques, it's the people. 
that has made an impact on her these, this many years later. And I thought that was a, a poignant reminder for us, particularly as we come to 1 Peter chapter 2, where we're reminded for all the greatness of buildings and the beauty that we enjoy and the great privilege it is for us to be custodians of this church in this generation. But what Jesus really cares about and what will last for eternity is not the stained glass and not the plaques and the foundation stones, the sandstone ones. What will last for eternity is the spiritual house that God is building of people who have built their lives on the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus, who is the foundation of all that God is doing in this world right now that will last forever. That is the reminder that we have. Jesus is the precious foundation of God's spiritual house, people who belong to him for his praise and his glory. That is simply what we want to see from these short verses today. And we're reminded that Jesus is the precious cornerstone for those who believe, but also a great stumbling block for those who do not believe. It's a stark contrast and reminder in this passage tonight. It's significant, I think, as uh, Peter comes to explain these truths to his first century readers who have been dispossessed and scattered throughout the Roman provinces in Asia Minor, on, in modern-day Turkey, who are feeling like they've been kicked to the curb and they're on the sidelines of culture. They have no place to call their own. They feel like they're a long way from home. Who are we? What do we have? Where do we belong? And Peter's answer to them is, if you have Jesus, you have everything. Have a look with me at chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 4, where Peter writes, As you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the precious cornerstone chosen by God to be the foundation of his eternal people, his eternal family, his spiritual house. This is the new temple, Peter is saying to these first century readers. You don't need to be in Jerusalem. You don't need to go through the physical temple anymore because Jesus is the place where you meet God. Jesus is the one through whom you worship God. Jesus is the place of holiness, the place of prayer, the offering up to God. Jesus is the spiritual temple that we get to be connected in with as God uses us and builds up, uses us as building blocks in this new spiritual temple that he is building on the foundation of Jesus. But as Peter kind of drives home to his first century readers that this is nothing new, this isn't God's new plan, this isn't plan B, this isn't God changing direction, that this is what God has always planned to build his eternal people on the foundation of Jesus, he reminds them through three Old Testament quotes 
but also remind them that it's very normal and it's to be expected that people and the religious establishment of the day would dismiss and disregard Jesus, would reject him and fall over him in their pursuit of their own projects in opposition and rebellion against Jesus. And so the challenge for you and for me is the stark question of where are we building our eternity? Is it on Jesus, the cornerstone, the one through whom God is building an eternal family and a spiritual house that will last forever? Or are we stumbling over him because we don't see him to be precious and permanent and beautiful as we're meant to see him? That quote that... uh, Peter points to from uh, Psalm 118 that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone gives you that great image of picking the stone that you're going to use to lay the foundations. For us, there's a two-ton cornerstone under the building here somewhere and the story of how they laid it is quite hilarious but you, you, to pick a cornerstone when you're building a giant building you walk around it and you're, you're trying to find the, the stone that's going to hold up the weight. You're going to try and find a stone that you can make straight so that every other stone laid on it is going in the right direction. You want to be picky about the cornerstone. And the picture we get is that re- the religious leaders of the day, in Jesus' day, are like builders who have walked around him and looked at him from every angle. And decided, no. (laughs) He's not impressive enough. He's not beautiful enough. He's not strong enough for us to build our lives upon, let alone God to build eternity upon. And so we're dismissing him. That's the religious leaders of the day. And normal everyday people like you and me, Peter says, have done the same sort of thing. Instead of seeing Jesus as the foundation of our lives and our eternity and all that God is doing in his world for his future and saying here is where we build our lives, here is where we have our identity and our belonging and our purpose and our meaning, people fall over him. How do they fall over him? It's there in verse 8. They fall over him because they disobey the message. They hear Jesus' good news, the good news that Jesus declared when he first stepped into the world, when he said, repent and believe the good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus says, turn away from sin and selfishness and come back to me to find forgiveness and new life, life to the full, people stumble Because just like the religious leaders, Jesus doesn't look impressive. He doesn't look strong. He doesn't look powerful. Prophet Isaiah, speaking of the Messiah, Jesus, who was to come, says that there is nothing beautiful about him that would draw our attention to him. 
It's the beauty of his holiness. It's the beauty of his character. It's the beauty of his sacrificial love, his forgiveness, his death and resurrection, where his beauty is to be found. So the challenge for you and for me is, do you see Jesus with presence? Do you look at him and not think weak, unimpressive, unimportant? Do you stumble over him? Or do you look at him, his words, his life, his death, his resurrection, long to grasp hold of him and hold on to him for dear life knowing that he is the most precious person in all the universe that without him we're a pile of rubble and it's only in him that we are being built into an eternal permanent and precious family for you who believe this stone is precious to others who will not believe, who disobey the gospel, they stumble over him. It all centers on Jesus, the cornerstone, the foundation, the one who holds all things together. Peter goes on to say that that's the identity and the purpose of Jesus, and you have to make the decision you're going to stumble over him or build your life upon him because he's the cornerstone of all that God is doing. And if you come to him, verse 4, if you come to him by putting your faith in him, by trusting in him, then what's true of Jesus is also true of you. Did you notice that? That you also, verse 5, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So no longer is there another place that you're to go in order to to worship God, to bring him sacrifices and offerings. You yourself are, are to be the offering. You yourself are to be part of the holy priesthood, the ones who mediate God's glory and his holiness to the world. So in Romans 12, those spiritual sacrifices are our whole lives. Not an act of one hour on a Sunday afternoon. Not one transaction of how much you give during the week of your time, your talents and your treasures. But your whole life given to him in response to how precious he is. In Philippians 4, those sacrifices are the gifts that we give joyfully for the spread of the gospel. In Hebrews 13... Those sacrifices are the praises that we give to God and the way that we share our possessions and do good towards all people. As God's spiritual house, if you come to Jesus and put your trust in him, if you become a stone being built on him as the cornerstone, then you offer a new life of transformed living to God's praise and his glory, pursuing holiness, honouring his name demonstrating in your life that Jesus is precious. So 
helpful reminder, isn't it, that church life is all about people. That God is calling to himself and building up people to belong to him forever. We ought to be very thankful for this building from 150 years down the track and this ministry site. It's so rare for a church to have a whole city block to minister the gospel from. From time to time, local historians come up to chase up details of connections in this building and names on plaques and young boys who have windows dedicated to them and the like. The challenge for us as the roof leaks, as it has for 110 years, challenge for us as people stack it over the steps up to the pews, the challenge for us as, you know, Mrs. Horton yesterday couldn't even use the bathrooms because she's in a wheelchair, the challenge for us 150 years later where we want to have small groups and teams collaborating and those sorts of things, the challenge for us is that the, the needs and the opportunities and the things that are right in front of us with this property can just swamp all our thinking and all our effort and all our money. And we end up becoming museum curators rather than a missionary church. We want to be a church, we want to be a generation who look after this building and who don't just hold on to the keys but who use it for the glory of God, for the proclamation of the gospel, to be a place from which the hope of the Lord Jesus, the precious cornerstone, overflows. When Mrs. Horton's father, not the one who laid that foundation stone, but his son, was a warden of this church in the 40s, he wrote to the people of All Saints in May 1942 to say to them, all right, we need to pony up the cash to pay off the hall. And he did it with such pastoral sensitivity and care, writing in all caps, do it now, which is a great model for our wardens. Right? But interestingly... In 1942, All Saints had done what our parish council has done this year, which is to say, so that we're not swamped by the needs of this beautiful building and property, so that we can continue to be a missionary church overflowing with hope, they established a separate fund for the building and property needs because, as Mr Carver wrote to All Saints, we don't want the property to stop the ministry. We want the property to enable the ministry. in order that it doesn't swamp our, our missionary zeal and our missionary efforts. We want this property to serve the proclamation of the gospel to people. Because the, here's the reality, this building never saved anybody. And this building will not last forever, that's for sure. 
the proclamation of Jesus, the message of the gospel to turn back to him and put your faith and trust in him, that will save people. And those people in Christ will last forever. God's people are his house and we want to be a church that builds people up in Christ. Seeing lives transformed in obedience to God's word. People who desire to glorify the Lord Jesus in every sphere of life. People who will live out the identity and the purpose that God is giving them, which is right there in verses 9 and 10. Have a look there with me. Peter says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Receiving God's mercy in the Lord Jesus by coming to him and trusting in him. You get to be God's special possession for all eternity. Remarkable. And even now, you get to be his chosen people, the objects of his affection, a royal priesthood. get to share in mediating the kingdom of Jesus to the world. The priests are those people who kind of stand between God and the world, pointing people to God, mediating his presence. And no longer is a priest someone who stands up the front and does the stuff behind the railing. But all of us belong to that royal priesthood if we've trusted in Jesus. All of us through our Offering of our whole selves as living sacrifices are meant to be priests. Reflecting God's glory, mediating God's presence in the world so that people all around us will see the difference that Jesus makes and be jealous to come and be built into this eternal family. A holy nation. People who belong not to some ethnic identity, not to some geographical location, but whose allegiances are to King Jesus and his purposes. In this day and age, there, is, there are so many calls in our world for us to find our identity in our ethnicity, in our gender, in our job in our family background, in our bank balance, in the things that we've achieved in our personal and our professional lives, to find our identity in our marks, to find our identity in our relationships. But here is the thing that will last forever, the thing that will not perish, the thing that is meant to be the most precious and the defining centre of your life here now and for all eternity, that you are in Christ and God's chosen, precious and permanent people. 
thing that trumps everything else is belonging to Jesus forever. And so, friends, the challenge for you and for me is whether or not we're stumbling over Jesus in pursuit of our own program, in pursuit of our own, building our own empires, or are we building our lives and our eternity on him as the precious and the permanent cornerstone of God's eternal family? And if you are, and you get to be part of his royal priesthood, showing his greatness and his glory to everyone around you as you declare his praises. Isn't that a wonderful thing when God calls you to belong to his eternal family? He doesn't lump on your shoulders some impossible task, but he gives you one thing to do, one purpose in life, to so enjoy him, to see him as so precious as you overflow in praise. Because he called you out of darkness and death into his light and his life. I'm going to pray that we would indeed enjoy him in such a way. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus, who is your cornerstone, the one upon whom you are building your church, your precious people, into an eternal house family. May we be the kind of people who see Jesus as so precious, who do not stumble over him, but build our lives and our eternity upon him in order that we might be part of your royal priesthood, showing your glory to this world, that we might be your holy nation, desiring to be different and set apart for your purposes, in order that we might so overflow with the praises of him who called us out of darkness and death into his light and his life. We ask that you would do this for us, for Jesus' sake.